Welcome to People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. We're recording from HR Tech in Vegas, brought to you by our friends and partners at Fuel 50. Here's your host, Mark Pfeffer. This is People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer, and we're recording today from the exposition floor of the HR Technology Exposition and Conference. And I'm joined right now by Jessica Miller-Merrill. And Jessica, welcome. Welcome. I'm so excited to be here. Well, could you take a minute and introduce yourself to everybody? Absolutely. My name is Jessica Miller-Merrill, and I'm the founder of Workology. I am a former executive of HR turned entrepreneur, and we help support the HR industry with training resources, information, and support to help them support HR better, whether it's for practitioners or vendors uh, who are supporting us as HR leaders. So do you find that companies are, in fact, paying more attention to their HR functions now than they were before? Absolutely. Uh, we were leading conversations in uh, during COVID times, and I feel like it's continued with the Great Recession and then moving in now to all these changes in terms of the increased inflation rate. So HR remains an important part of the boardroom conversations, but it's really important for HR to really understand the business so they can keep adding and being a part of those things. And then, you know, there's a lot of conversation in the business today about skills. Um, can you sort of describe your view of it? What, what is this conversation? Why does it keep going and going? Well, I, I think the reason that we're thinking about skills is because, number one, we have a lot of people exiting the workforce in a traditional sense, whether it's traditional retirement or a lot of people who are saying, hey, the regular workforce isn't for me, so I'm going to go try this gig thing or I'm going to launch my own business because they want to be able to make their own roles and have the flexibility to suit their life. With that increased turnover and retention that we've seen, whether it's the exodus or people just re making reevaluations and choosing organizations and opportunities in different places, companies should and have been focusing on skill building because your existing people need to be grown and developed. They're going to leave. And our most recent HR benchmark survey really showcased that skills and upskilling are in the top five priorities for chief. HR leaders right now. And I think executives are also thinking about this. This is why the conversation is trickling down, but people are really hard to find right now. Good quality people who have the skills. So let's train them internally and retain them uh, through new development opportunities. Well, they say you can build skills, buy skills, or borrow skills, which I always thought was a neat sort of way of describing the whole issue. But then when you really think about it, that's going to be a crazy complex undertaking to, to have to organize your workforce along those lines and get it done. Could you talk about that? Absolutely. I feel like having an inventory and understanding of what skills you need first is of the most importance. And that's a challenge as an HR leader and as an organization to really understand what do we need and then what do we have and then where do those gaps exist? And then from there, that's where you go into that three-step framework that you talked about in terms of buying or building or, or hiring out. There's, you have to then prioritize, like, what's the necessity? Because if you're going to build skills internally, 
that's going to take time. But if you want to buy it and to bring it in or bringing in an expert from the outside, say a consultant or a contract worker, that's a great way to quickly bring in the skills that you need. Uh, but they don't really necessarily understand the organizational culture or the nuances or they have those relationships when the, within internal business that just make things work. So I think having an inventory is of the most importance, but that is the most, that's the most challenging part, understanding what you need and what you have and then where the gaps are. How do you do it? Well, I, I'd like to think that technology can help you in those ways because really, you know, in the old days, we'd go through all the job descriptions and then we'd have everybody fill out a, you know, a nine-part grid and put their skills and do all the things. And then we'd have meetings with executives about who's high potential, what skills are here, where are people going in terms of succession planning. But it's so much better when we have employees part of the conversation versus those executives and that's where technology is great because employees can say, here are all my skills because I might not know that you have really mad skills in a certain area because I only hired you for these things. But maybe on, on the side, you're a master podcaster in the evenings and weekends. And then maybe you also got your PMP. And I just haven't taken the time as a leader to understand where those skills are. So having the employees add the inventory and here's my skills and then thinking about what I need as a business using tech and going, but still going through these work sessions with the executive team and the leaders to understand, matching that with the technology kind of brings it all together. So you can say like, hey, Billy over here, he has all these skills that you aren't leveraging, or he seems like he's competent in this area, but I think he would be a good fit in this. He just mm-hmm. needs X, Y, Z to be able to move into a role like that or to contribute in a different way. It seems that the frontline manager has a pretty important role in all of this, even if not, it's not always admitted. Um, but they can really sort of be a choke point, can't they? They can. A lot of frontline managers don't want to give up their people, number one, because then they have a deficit on their team and they've worked really hard to build that and they don't think about the bigger picture of the organization. But I've often said that your frontline managers are the single most important part of the organization because without them, things don't get done. Messages from leadership don't get communicated and employees don't feel like they're being heard or engaged or listened to uh, or, or developed. So that manager really plays a key, like essential role in retention, development and growth. Because if you don't like your boss or you can't work with them, it's really easy to answer that LinkedIn email or that phone call that's coming from a recruiter that's saying, hey, I got this opportunity over here on the other side of the fence. It's really green. We have unlimited PTO and and maybe a $15,000 sign-up bonus. That sounds great until you get over there and you realize that it isn't exactly what you wanted. And we're seeing a lot of people jump right now because they took a job because maybe they didn't have a great experience at their current place or the relationship with the frontline manager. And then they're jumping again because they took a job for the wrong reasons or they didn't really understand what they needed for themselves. But the frontline manager can help retain that person and keep them just engaged and productive, which is what we need as HR leaders and as executives. You know, I can't help but ask this double quitting, as it were. Is that driving up the, uh, the quit rate numbers? I don't know if it's driving up the numbers. I think there's a lot of 
there has been a lot of turnover, but I think that those, I mean, when I think about like my own corporate journey, there are times that I took jobs because I was like, I can't work in this crazy place anymore. Right. And so I left for the wrong reasons. Um, I think it just makes it harder for the employee, a lot more stress on them and their family, a lot more stress on the managers. And maybe what we're seeing, not necessarily increased turnover numbers, but we're seeing a lot of people get burnt out because when we have all this turnover, now suddenly you're doing two, three, four people's job. And that is where this focus, I think, on mental health and just on our own wellness outside of, you know, COVID and, and kind of facing death, you know, in the face and looking at it and saying, huh, I don't know if I want to work this way or live this way anymore. I'm going to reevaluate things. But it's, it's definitely contributing to it, but I don't think it's the only reason. Um, shifting gears a bit to talk about the solutions providers who are building the LMS, the LXP, et cetera. Um, how are they doing? How, are they really developing what customers want and what um, employees will use? They say they are, right? I mean, oh, it's great, very engaging. Uh, we're all cutting edge, micro learning and artificial intelligence. They're saying all the right things. But I don't know if they're necessarily coming at where the employees are, right? Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, your customers, your end users are really your employees. So making sure that the ease of use is there and that UX is really nice so they can get access to what they need when they need. And sometimes without asking their boss, I think is really key because you have these really just young generation of workers who are like, I'm not waiting on nobody. I'm going in and doing what I need to do when I want to do it and how I want to do it. So let's give them access to the tools and resources to be able to do that. And I think a lot of the learning management platforms are waiting. They're just built where, as an HR person, I say, oh, you need this training because you're X. And then the training opens up. And then it really might be an external training that isn't exactly what, what you need. Or maybe you have some existing stuff that doesn't work with that learning management system. So now that person has to log into a second or even a third platform to get what they need. So it's really complicated and not necessarily user-friendly for me as the HR person to pull reports and information, but as the end user, like, they don't even know where any of this stuff is, so they're not even going to use it. And they'll just continue struggling or being unhappy. Well, it does sometimes seem as if the um, vendors are pending... Sorry. The vendors are paying more attention to the data they can output for the executives than they are putting together the lessons and the courses that they need to fulfill their role. Course development is a challenge. Uh, and, you know, uh, on-demand training versus live, the whole mobile experience, like all these things are really important. And personally, it really is also dependent on the industry. For example, if I worked in retail and I wanted to take a training on how to build an end cap, I would want to hear from a peer and maybe a peer-to-peer -peer access training where they can tell me what to do. And I want a short little video with maybe some examples of great end cap building versus going to a computer in the break room or in the training room to spend an hour and a half watching a video that involves no engagement. I don't really get what I need. I need to build it, 
and communicate and engage and, and do that in, you know, five to 10 minutes and kind of micro learning sessions. Where do you think uh, employers are trying to take all this? I, they have the best interests at heart, really, right? They want their organizations, their employees to be happy, and they want to be able to hit their sales and revenue goals and, and keep their good people. I think the disconnect is really in the execution of the training. So it could be the technology where they're not matching with the right thing that meets the needs of the end users. But then, too, when they implement and roll it out, it's sort of done and one and done. And employees don't often understand or even know that the technology or the tools are existing and two, how to really use it. HR people are really, they should be internal communications champions. That's a lot of what we do. Education, training, and developing and reminding people, hey, here's all these tools that we have. Here's all these benefits. Here's all these programs. Here's these resources that are over here that you can access. We have to be continually marketing to our internal leaders, whether it's our frontline managers or our mid-level managers or senior, as well as the employees. And it's just like regular marketing. It's probably seven to 15 times that we have to engage them in all these different ways before they go, oh, I didn't know we had a training program that does X, Y, Z. Oh, it's available on a mobile app. I can just log in. That's awesome. I had no idea. Hey, Billy, did you know about this? They, they don't know, even though it's been in every communication, it's been in the Slack, there was a training on it last Tuesday, until they needed it or it was presented to them in such a way, did it really say, oh, this is what I want? Last question. <clears throat> if you look out five or six years and you think about how the vendors are approaching the whole challenge, how employers are approaching the whole challenge, how do you see learning and, well, if it comes down to skills development, how do you see those evolving? Is it going to be a dramatic evolution or is it just going to be sort of an iteration of what we've got now? I'd like to tell you that I think it's going to be 500 times different than it was today, but I do know that things move relatively slowly in the workplace right? And you have to have something like a pandemic to suddenly move everybody forward to maybe upskilling or skill development or thinking about remote work and remote learning and, and all these things. But I, I think that we will see changes in, because of the increased reliance on remote work and the focus because we now suddenly have a global talent pool and our people, they want to work remotely they want to work from the beach in Mexico and be able to do that and, and then, you know, maybe move to Phoenix 30 days later. So we have to find different ways to train and engage and develop those skills. So it's not a traditional classroom anymore. That wasn't working for us anyway. But I would like to think that we're going to be leveraging more artificial intelligence to help us as leaders see the big picture with pulling in all the data and information, insights from employees, insights from executives, and then data from, you know, just the marketplace, the economy, to help us make better decisions on what is coming. Because it is changing very quickly. Even my daughter, she's 13, and I know that the things that she's learning right now, 
50% of them aren't going to be used in a traditional career sense when she graduates high school or college and goes out into the workforce. So we just have to teach our people to be nimble. And I think being able to access their own training and development and in a smart and accessible way is incredibly important for them to feel empowered to be able to do their jobs and be truly in control of their career. Jessica, thanks so much for coming by. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was great to meet you. You've been listening to People Tech of the HCM Technology Report. This HR Tech series is graciously brought to you by our partners at Fuel50. For all other HR, sourcing, and recruiting news, check out HCMTechnologyReport.com. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel. Faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more.